crash test dummies have been a subject of public service announcements, cartoons, parodies, even name of a brand. Real crash test dummies, however, are true lifesavers, as they are a big part in the automotive crash testing. Even though cars are getting a little safer each year and fatality rates are declining, car crashes are still one of the leading causes of death and injuries in the United States. So one of the reasons that cars are getting safer is because of the well-established testing programs. Hey guys, you're listening to this Crash Test Show, a podcast that answers why researchers use crash test dummies in simulated motor vehicle accidents. I'm going to be assessing the impact on society and the technology that applies the principles of energy and momentum. Hey guys, my name is Tarz McQuan. I'm a high school senior attending one of the highest ranked schools in our province. Today we're going to be talking about how crash testing works. In today's episode, we're going to be going over the automotive crash testing, including crash test programs, ratings, dummies, and even future improvements. So the dummy's job is to simulate a human being during a crash, while collecting data that would not be possible to collect from a real human occupant. We wouldn't use a cavalier or a live animal or a real human being. We need a crash test dummy. So all frontal crash testing in the United States are conducted from the same type of dummy, the hybrid 3 dummy, which we talked about in the last episode. Now this guarantees consistent results, a dummy that is built from material that mimics the psychological impact and about the human body. For example, it has a spine made up of alternating layers of metal discs and rubber pads. Now the dummy comes in different sizes and they refer by the percentile by gender. For example, the 50th percentile male dummy represents medium-sized male. It is bigger than the half the male population and smaller than the other half. This is the dummy most commonly used in crash testing. It weighs around 170 pounds, also known as 77 kilograms, and it is 70 inches, 510 uh, meters tall. Sorry, inches tall. <laughs> the dummy basically contains three types of instrumentals, accelerometer, load sensors, and even motion sensors. So, so these devices measure the acceleration in particular directions. This data can be used to determine the probability of injury. Acceleration is the rate of which speed changes. For example, if you bang your head in a brick, the speed of your head changes very quickly, which can hurt. But if you bang your head into a pillow, the speed of your head changes more slowly as the pillow crushes it, and it wouldn't hurt as much. However, Car crash test dummies has accelerometers all over it. Inside the dummy's head, there's an accelerometer that measures acceleration in all three directions, forth, up, down, and even left, right. Now, these are also the accelerometers in your chest, your pelvis, your legs, your feet, and other parts of your body. There's a graph of head acceleration during a crash test you can easily search up. Now, obviously I can't show a graph in person, but there is gonna be on the PowerPoint. So the graph that you see on the PowerPoint shows acceleration of the driver's head during a 35 miles per hour frontal crash. Notice that it's not steady value, but it fluctuates up and down during the crash. This reflects how the head slows down during a crash with the highest values coming when the head strikes the object of the airbag. The second is a load sensor. It's inside the dummy are load sensors that measure the amount of force on different body parts during a crash. Obviously, you can't see the graph, but it's on the PowerPoint, and this shows the force in newtons in the driver's femur, which is a thigh bone, during a 35 mile per hour frontal crash. 
The maximum load in the bone can be used to determine the probability of its breaking. Next is the movement sensor. These sensors are used in the dummy's chest. They measure how much the chest deflects during a crash. And obviously, you can't really see the scan or the image. However, it's in the PowerPoint, and the scan above basically shows a driver's chest deflection during a crash. In this particular crash, you can easily see that the driver's chest is being compressed about 2 inches, or 46 millimeters. This injury could be very painful, however, it's not going to be fatal. So, an actual crash test. This is by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that conduct two types of crash tests as a part of a new car assessment program. First is a 35 mile mile per hour frontal impact. So at 35 mile per hour impact, the car runs straight into a solid concrete barrier. This is equivalent to a car moving at 35 uh, miles per hour hitting another car of comparable weight moving at 35 miles per hour. Second is a 35 mile per hour impact side impact. So this is a 3,115 slide with a deformation bumper that runs onto the side of the test vehicle. Then the slide tires are basically angled. Then the test simulates a car that is crossing an intersection being literally swipe wiped by a car running a red light. A slide actually moves at 38.5 miles per hour, but when you do the math, it is equivalent to 35 miles per hour side impact because of the way the wheels are on the slide which are angled. Then we're going to talk about the crash test paint, which I did not really talk about in the last episode. However, before the crash test dummies are actually placed in the vehicle, researchers apply paint to them. But why? Well, different color paints are basically applied to the parts of the dummies that are most likely to hit during a crash. This could be, um, well, the dummy's knees, the face, maybe the areas of the skull that are each painted with different colors. So you can't really see the following photo in the the podcast. However, it is on the video and on the PowerPoint. But you can see the blue paint from the dummy's paint that is smeared right over the airbag. And you can even see some on the knee, on the left knee, which is painted red, hitting the steering column. And this is a great way to kind of figure out where exactly it's hitting and the different colors that are practically hitting it. Now, the multicolored paint on the dummy basically shows where the different body parts are being hit. It's just an easier way for the researchers to kind of look at it. So if the researchers note a particular large acceleration in the data from the accelerometer in the dummy's driver head, the paint will mark the car that will indicate where the part of the body hit a what part of the vehicle inside the cabin. Ooh, that was a bad way of saying it. But this information basically helps the researchers to develop an improvement to prevent that type of injury in future crashes. I'm going to kind of repeat what I said in an easier way. For example, let's say you are in a Ford 3050. I don't know if that's a car or not. I'm just going to make something up. Let's say you're in a truck. Um, and when they're doing a crash testing on a 35 mile per hour onto a, um, on a concrete block, what will happen is let's say the most impact is going to be on the head, mainly because your um, your chest hair and everything on the bottom is being secluded in the cabin. However, your head's going to be flying all over the places. So what researchers are going to take with this data is going to figure out a, a way, or at least the engineers are going to try to figure out a way for the head to not uh, fly over around if it gets into a car crash. So we can also go to the photo concert by NHTSA. The front passenger side dummy knee hits the dashboard during a crash. 
Also, note that nothing from the engine compartment penetrates the cabin. The engine on most cars is mounted so that in a crash, it is forced backwards and downwards so it does not come onto the cabin. So let's now look at a 35 mile per hour frontal impact test. So vehicle setup. So obviously you can see from the photo below on the PowerPoint, this shows a van that is ready to test. Let's get it. So the dummies have been placed in a car and are in a position. All the instrumentals on the car, the dummy, they've all been hooked up and checked. And Balsas is being added to the car so that the crash testing vehicle weight and the distribution of the weight is equal to the fully loaded vehicle. Then a speed sensor has been mounted to the car and positioned so that it will pass through a pickup just as a car hits the barrier. So there's 15 high speed cameras including several under the car pointing upward. They shoot about 1000 frames per second. On your phone, I believe it's like 60 to 250, so it's almost times 4 to times like 10 of how fast uh, the, the camera is actually projecting this. Then a pulley, it's mounted in a track, pulls a car down the runway. The car then hits a barrier at 35 miles per hour, exactly, and it only takes 0.1 seconds from the time the car hits a barrier until it fully stops. Now, after the crash, you can see some photos. The, this car that you see on the PowerPoint got a 4 star for both the occupant and in the frontal crash test. You can easily see how the rest of the car is completely fine, but only the engine area is being completely smudged, I would say. And at the same time, this 4 star occupant car crash test is really good, as a car has to be crushed and collapsed in order to absorb the kinetic energy and stop the car. Remember, at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out a way so the car doesn't explode and it doesn't hurt or hopefully it doesn't injure the passenger and the driver. Now we can see a better view of the frontal crash. The front of the fan is basically being crushed up to its wheels, which are being pushed back. In this crash, the van actually got 23 inches shorter. So basically, what's happening is all the kinetic energy is being pushed outward. And we don't want all that energy to go back onto the passenger because that's going to be very fatal and they're going to be injured. So what is the perfect crash? Well, obviously, the ideal crash is not to be getting into a car crash at all. But let's assume that you are going into a crash and that you want the best possible chances of surviving. So what do you want? We, obviously, we don't want to die, but we also don't want you to be injured. So how can all the safety systems come together to give you the smoothest crash possible? Well, I have answered that. Well, surviving a crash is all about kinetic energy. So when your body is moving at 35 miles per hour, it is a certain amount of kinetic energy, right? So after a crash, when you come to a complete stop, you will have zero kinetic energy. To minimize the risk of injury, you would like to move the kinetic energy as slowly and even evenly as possible. Some of the safety systems in your car can help to do this. Ideally, your car has seatbelt pretensions and force limiters. They both tighten up your seatbelt very soon after a car hits a barrier, but before the airbag basically deploys. Your seatbelt can absorb some of your energy as you move forward toward the airbag. Milliseconds later, the force of the seatbelt holds you back until it would start to hurt, so the force limiter kicks in now, making sure the force of the seatbelt doesn't go too high. Next, the air... Actually, before I get into it, I don't know if you've ever done this before, where you get your seatbelt and then you quickly like put it in place into your 
buckle area. I forgot the name. However, you can see how your seatbelt's gonna stop moving, and you're gonna have to like put it back in place, and you're gonna you're gonna have to put it back into the buckle very slowly. And this is because it understands the force that it's getting pulled at, and with that, how the engineers made it is when you're moving very quickly and you're you're stopping very suddenly, it's gonna stop the seatbelt in place, holding you back, so it wouldn't hurt. Next, the airbag deploys and absorbs some of your forward motion while protecting you from hitting anything too hard. In a hypothetical crash, the safety systems and all the car all work together to slow you down. If you didn't wear your seatbelt, then the first stage of your protection is lost and it's going to hurt a lot more when you slam into the airbag. Many cars have seatbelt protection and force limiters, but there's some even more exciting safety improvements coming further. So. What are some future safety improvements? It seems like the airbag are sprouting from just about anywhere inside a car, and they seem to keep your body from hitting hard objects during a collision. These are doing their job, but there's always room for improvement. Right now, and in the foreseeable future, the emphasis on safety equipment is to make it smarter. So the most recent advancements in safety equipment is known as a smart airbag. These airbags can basically deploy with different speeds, pressures, and depending on the weight and seating position of the occupant, and also the intensity of the crash. Unfortunately, sometimes employment of the airbag can cause serious injury and even death to the driver or passenger. The new technology is advanced so the frontal airbag is designed to reduce this possible risk and to enhance the performance of the airbag itself. This can be very important. Now, the implementation of the new technology is being taken seriously, so much so that the amendment has been made so the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard, note on 2008, is an amendment that requires that over the next few years, manufacturers install this new airbag system in all their new models intended for sale, so that by September 1, 2005, and all by 2006 models will be equipped with this system. In this future, we will see seatbelts that will also sense away the position of the occupant and will basically adjust the tension and maximum force accordingly. Now, in the future, we will see seatbelts that will all sense this and the airbag will sense this to reduce the risk of injury. Technology is enabling car makers to design and even manufacture safer, smarter, and consumers will clearly endorse this trend as it reflects in buying patterns. It may take wrecking a lot of cars, crash dummies, but the information at the end of the day is gained from automotive crash testing, means you and your loved ones may survive an automotive crash accident with little or to no injury. Last thing we're going to be talking about is backgrounds in and ratings. So, in the recent years, cars have gotten much more safer. And so here are some... Uh, the one of the biggest uh, companies and their cars that they're using for ratings. So the BMW 52i, BMW 64ci, the X3, the Z4 Roadster, the Dodge Duranger, the Jeep Liberty, Jorb Escape, Ford F-150, Ford Tatarus and Sable, the Mazda 3, the Mazda Tribute, the Mazda MPV, the Jaguar S-Type, the Jaguar XG, X Javier X-Type, Caladac Escalade, the EXT, the ESV, the Avalanche, the Chevrolet, Silverado, Cerberan, Tahoe, the GMC Yukon, XL, Danilahi, Danilahi Yukon, GMC Syria, 
Honda Accord, Honda Odyssey, Acura MDX, Hyundai Elantra, Kia LD, and there's 30 to 40 more, which I'm not going to state. However, in the recent years, cars have gotten much more safer. One of the reasons is that safety is now a selling point in new cars. People actually seek out and buy safer cars. In the United States, the NHTSA crash test cars and analyze the data with the goal of improving car safety. So, car makers themselves crash many vehicles each year. Car manufacturers are required to certify that their cars meet the Federal Motor Vehicle Standard Safety Testing, also known as FMVSS. These rules cover everything about how bright the turn signal bulbs must be to the crash testing requirements. Car makers have to have the certain that if the NHTSA goes to any dealer in the United States, it can buy and crash at 30 miles per hour, the car will pass all the MVSS requirements. To ensure that all the different combinations, engines, transmissions, accessories will all pass and might make the 60 to 100 vehicles themselves. It's rare that a car fails the MVVSS requirements, so to challenge the car makers even more and to provide valuable information to consumers buying cars. The NCAP crashes cars at 35 miles per hour in both frontal and side impacts and the rate of car based on how likely the occupants are basically injured during a crash. I'm going to be talking about the ratings online and a good first step when looking for a new car. So what are my chances of being seriously injured? Well, mm, that is a very tough question. And in order to kind of answer it, we have to define what a serious injury is. It's very different for everyone. So a lot of research has been done, and it's still being done at this moment, to classify injuries. So crash test researchers came up with a standard called Abbreviated Injury Scale, also known as AAS, for classifying different injuries. These same researchers published a manual that contains detailed descriptions of all the injuries normally found in crash testing. So each injury is basically designed a rank based on how severe it is. One of it's just minor cuts and injuries normally found in car crashes. And then each injury is basically assigned a rank from how severe. Like I talked about, one is just minor cuts injuries, uh, while three is usually indicated how serious it is and requires immediate and medical. And then six is fatal. So it's one to six rating. Now, the rating system. Well, researchers have used a crash test data to determine the likelihood of injuries that may be sustained in car crashing testing. In addition, uh, that data might be used to create NHTSA star testing. This system makes automotive safety ratings easier for consumers to understand when buying a car. In frontal cars, the star rating is determined by the worst score on these three criteria. The head injury criteria, which is known as HIC or IHC, chest deceleration, and last but not least, femur load. In order to receive a five-star rating, all the three criteria must be below the level that indicates a 10 percentile chance of severe injury. There is star rating from each from the frontal passenger from each type of test that will run the frontal or side impact. So let's go over it. So the rating for the frontal impact test. 5 star is 10 or lower chance of serious injury. 4 is 11 to 20. 3 is 21 to 35. 2 is 36 to 45. And 1 is 46 or greater chance of serious injury. Obviously, the greater the star, the better. 
And the side impact crashes, there are two criteria. The thoracic trauma index, which is also known as TTI, lateral pelvic acceleration, LPA, and to achieve a five-star rating in side impact crashes, both criteria must be in the range that indicate less than 5% chance of serious injury. So let's go over it. Five is, like I said, five or lower chance of injury, four is six to 10%, three is 11 to 20, two is 21 to 25, and last but not least, one is 26 or greater chance of a serious injury. So obviously today we talked about car crash testing and how car crash testing actually works. Sorry about that guys. So obviously today we basically talked about all about automotive crash testing, including car testing programs, ratings, dummies, and even future improvements. You know, we I, I've been very amazed at how much thought and preparation that goes into making a safe car on the roads. And we need to thank all the engineers, car makers, and researchers, and all the money and time that goes into it. So thank you so much for listening to the, the Crash Test Show. Today we kind of answered about how crash testing works. My name is Taj Marquan, and thank you for listening on the Crash Test Show. Whoa.